DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcast. It's me. It's me. It's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. And a super guest to, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned this on the last episode. I've been talking startup strategy basically this entire offseason, kind of swimming upstream when everybody just wants to talk rookies, just wants to talk, uh, you know, rookie drafts, strategies, uh, give me some evals on these players. And here I am just telling you, oh, yeah, you know, just all that matters is a startup, you know, just just take all the quarterbacks in the freaking startup. Well, it's it's time to talk some rookies. The NFL draft is only a couple weeks away, and I couldn't think of a better guest than Katie Flower, the diva of Debbie, to join me and and talk about some 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 of these incoming rookies. Because Katie, you've been you've been watching these guys. I mean, for me, like I just learned the name Zach Wilson in the last like four months. You know. I, uh, Mac Jones, kind of the same thing, but I mean, you've been watching these guys for several years now. You probably have some very specific thoughts on a lot of these rookies, I imagine. So that's why it's, it's one of many reasons that I wanted to get you on the show and get to talk with you a little bit. It's so good to have you here finally. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate the invite and I'm glad to be here. Um, the funny thing is I don't watch a whole lot of BYU football. So up until <laughs> Zach Wilson started, and he wasn't a big Debbie name either. Yeah. And so unless you are in campus to Canton, which I'm not, or once you start to see and hear his name, get first round NFL buzz, that's when you start putting on however many games, whatever you can find on him. And do your research. Now, Mac Jones, I watched a lot of his games this year because he plays in the SEC, plays for Alabama, and I watch a lot of SEC football, period. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Alabama, I've got one of my buddies who's a big Bama fan, so when my Razorbacks aren't on, I'm either watching University of Georgia or Alabama because two of my best friends, they each like those schools. Uh, So I have seen quite a bit of Mac Jones, one-year starter pretty much, it's just interesting that there's always guys that fall through the cracks in Debbie. And mm-hmm. so Trevor Lawrence has been on the radar for years. And then Justin Fields has been on the radar for years. Trey Lance started coming on the scene late last year. Uh, I, I was able to procure him in a Debbie in round eight of a very deep Debbie Superflex draft because I knew the name and uh, that's where Carson Wentz went to school. And a friend of mine lives in North Dakota and is a big fan. So she even told me, she said, you got to take a look at Trey Lance. You thought that Carson Wentz was good. Wait till you see this guy. And by having as many friends that can talk football and getting some inside tips of who do I really need to watch at these smaller schools, uh, I did I was able to put some eyes on Trey Lance a year before last and pick him up late. And he's maintained that buzz, even though he didn't play but one game last year. And uh, it's just, it's an interesting process for sure. 
Yeah. What, what does the process kind of look like? Hey, we're going <laughs> to, I even told you off air, like I've got all these questions for you. I've kind of got them neatly arranged. And then, um, but I told you, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't intend to stick to that at all. And here we are jumping way ahead to those, to those rookie quarterbacks, but that's, that's what are, that's where I want to stay with you because, you know, quarterback is, it, it, I always say super flex is not a quarterback game but it's a quarterback driven game. We've got a very strong <laughs> rookie class of quarterbacks and you know they're they're really going to going to kind of you know they're they're going to bring a lot of juice to the entire landscape for Superflex. So, you know, I think that it's pretty important that people uh you know kind of get to know these players. Um even even agnostic of landing spot, it's kind of important to know you know, kind of what type of trajectory these guys are on. So I'd kind of like to get to that. What, you know, and, and I am, I am curious kind of what's your process when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, you know, what are some things that you can, that you look for and what are some indicators that kind of tell you um, this is a player that, you know, that I'm going to be targeting. Sure. So before we get to the, who do you target and things like that, let's talk about, just quarter, rookie quarterbacks in general. Uh, we, we believe that there will be five of them drafted in this year's round one of the NFL draft. Three of them quite high, if not maybe even four of them. Maybe all five of them go in the top 15, and that would be a rare occurrence. Um, I'm as much of a film watcher as I am a numbers person. I try to have the best of both worlds. And so the last time that five quarterbacks were taken in the first round of the NFL draft was 2018. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Right now, Josh Rosen is a laugh. Nobody's drafting him anywhere. <laughs> Sam Darnold is on his second team and may get resurrected in Indianapolis. I mean, I'm not Indianapolis, I'm sorry, uh, Carolina. But they still may take a quarterback, and they've said they still may take a quarterback at eight and then have a three-way competition with Teddy Bridgewater. So there's no guarantee that Sam Darnold will even start this year. Lamar Jackson has done pretty well as a runner. He's not a passer. Um, some say he's improved. He has not improved to the near extent that Josh Allen has. And Baker Mayfield started off hot and then slid down. And now he settled somewhere around, you know, round two, round three startup valuation for a quarterback. The fact is the average for the last 20 years of quarterbacks per draft class that make it past their rookie contract and into their second contract and beyond is an average of two per season. So even though there's going to be five guys drafted this year, maybe even six, we may get somebody late if they if they like them enough to, to get that fifth-year option for, like Lamar Jackson was drafted 32 overall because the Ravens wanted that extra year contract uh, possibility. So we may see a historical six, but pretty much we're, we're assured that we're going to get those five. But you can pretty much count that three of them are going to end up busting. <laughs> it, it could be it could be next year it could be two or three years look at Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston highly highly touted yeah. 
Mariota's a backup. He may get another shot. He may not. Jameis Winston, is he going to be the starter in New Orleans this year? Possibly, but he's on a one-year contract. So when it comes to rookie quarterbacks in a rookie draft, I say use caution. If you've got a, if you've got a guy, let's say you're picking fourth overall and the first three guys take quarterbacks, and let's say it goes Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson just for the fun of it, and you're sitting there at four, rather than take Trey Lance or Mac Jones with the four, I would rather take my number one positional player, whoever I think that may be. It could be Jamar Chase. It could be Najee Harris, whoever that you think. Don't feel like you have to be forced into taking a quarterback just because of the perceived value. The nice thing about super flex is you don't have to start a quarterback in the flex spot. There may be weeks because of buys or because of injury where you start a running back or a wide receiver, or if it's tight end premium, maybe even you start a third tight end or something in that spot. You can get through a week or two where you've got bye weeks or injuries. And the other thing that I've found is that you can easily trade for those less shiny guys like Baker Mayfield right now, dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff is dirt cheap. And if that's the kind of guy that you're saying, well, but he's he's lousy. He's not going to put up any points. Okay, then picture that with Zach Wilson two years from now. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pay the 103 for Zach Wilson, why not spend it on a Russell Wilson or uh, somebody that's middle-aged and then get something else on top of it. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people start to lose value in Superflex leagues is chasing the rookie dragon. And same thing in Debbie drafts. And we'll get to Debbie, I'm sure, eventually. But the hit rate just is not high enough. And I do understand that if a guy like Mac Jones drifts to the end of the first, early second, that's value. Scoop him up. No question. No problem with that. But if you're using an early pick on a quarterback, there's hardly any sure things. But the only two guys that I would use that kind of draft capital with any kind of surety would be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Okay. And the other three guys, they have upside. They have potential. They're going to get a great early draft capital but that isn't going to necessarily protect them a year or two from now. Look at Mitch Trubisky, another good example. People, Chicago traded up, took him before Patrick Mahomes, took him before Deshaun Watson in that draft. Where is he now? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a starting job. And if you can flip, Daniel Jones is another example. We can go on and on about you know rookies that, don't pan out. And that happens at other positions too. No question about it. But Christian McCaffrey was in that same draft and people were drafting third and fourth quarterbacks, right. Instead of Christian McCaffrey and certain positional players that are also drafted that high, like Jamar Chase is going to probably be top 10 Najee Harris or Travis Etienne will be one of the top running backs, whether it's round one or early round two. 
Kyle Pitts, if you're in tight end premium, would would be somebody I would have I would be hard pressed to pass up Kyle Pitts and his pedigree over even Zach Wilson and his pedigree. And partly because I'm more hesitant on the one year wonders. And that's what Zach Wilson has been. He's had one good year in college. He's got some good skill set. But I question what's between the ears. That's the most important part of a quarterback. And we don't get to see near enough of their processing. You think you do, but you don't. And there's times when he gets a little bit cute and tries to uh, almost looks like he's trying to imitate Patrick Mahomes, you know, with the shovel passes, side sidearm passes, you know, this kind of <laughs> stuff. Um when he really doesn't need to against the kind of competition that he was playing against that could eventually get him in trouble. I was a coach for 14 years. I coached baseball, basketball, and football. And I know that habits are hard to break. Good habits are hard to break and bad habits are hard to break. And if you are mechanically having an issue, you have to fix that in the off season. You cannot fix that in the middle of a season. I use the golf analogy. You don't change your golf swing if you've got a tournament next weekend. You don't change it the three days before the tournament. Your muscle memory, you're not going to get enough reps for the muscle memory to kick in and count when you're tired and when you need it the most. So it's the same thing with a quarterback. I look for mechanics. I look for their footwork, their hips, their timing on just – three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop, or do they take everything out of the shotgun? Marcus Mariota, for example, everything they did was out of the shotgun. In the NFL, some teams are 60% shotgun and and 40% out of uh, the set, but others it's 50-50, and and some are under center 60% of the time. So you've got to be able to – learn and your vision as a quarterback changes, whether you're in the shotgun snap or whether you're from under center, when you're under center, you've got to turn and then you're, you've got to keep your head in your peripheral vision looking downfield. And it's a completely different view, especially if you bob your feet as you're taking your steps back. If your head is bobbing, that changes your view also. And it throws off your timing. Everything is thrown off. So I look for mechanics, footwork? Um, do they have a natural release, a natural arm? Are they using their hips? Tom House is a really great example. Uh, he was a pitching coach. He worked with Nolan Ryan and he worked with uh, the Randy Johnson, the big hurt. And he's worked with a bunch of different major league pitchers. He's now working with NFL quarterbacks. And he has always said in his books and, and videos that your larger muscles provide the power your smaller muscles provide the accuracy. And so, and, and you get your velocity from your bigger muscles. And so if you, you, if your footwork and your hips are not in sync with your shoulders and and your arm, that's what makes some guys look like they're so effortless when they throw that ball 40, 50 yards downfield. And that also provides for the accuracy and then being able to do that on the run from off platform. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that I'm a quarterback expert, but that, that's what I look for. And then when I watch JT O'Sullivan uh, has a good YouTube channel, if you ever want to watch, he breaks down these quarterbacks and, and snap after snap. And you get to see the good, the bad, the ugly. 
and he talks about what are they doing right, what are they doing wrong, and looking at their reads and and the route running and and all of those things. So, for somebody that doesn't know much about quarterbacks, I would recommend watching him on YouTube. You can learn a lot and you, and you can see a lot. But the biggest thing, as I mentioned, that you cannot see on the field is what's inside their head. And I like watching when they do the whiteboard during the NFL combine, when uh, Mariucci would break down a play and draw it up on the chalkboard and he'd say, okay, you're going to do this and this and this, and then erase it and then talk to the quarterback for a bit. Now draw my play. I love that part because then you get to hear the guy talk about everything that Mariucci has described to him and you get to see their recall. You get to see their sense of humor a little bit. Um, but even that, until you get into that NFL situation, there's so much to learn. You got the playbook. You got, you know, bigger, strong. Everybody's big and strong and fast. Your windows now, your throwing windows are much smaller. So even a guy like Tua Tungavailoa, who I love coming out of Alabama, I think he's very talented. He could still potentially bust, even though he has a world of talent. And I think he's got a good work ethic and a good head there's still questions on whether or not he'll make it now. Yes. He was coming off a very severe injury. And I think that it will take last year for him to finally get over that. And coming into this season, he should be uh, quite a bit more ready than last year, but still the opportunity window. Now, the way that free agency works, the rookie contracts, they don't have to be as patient as they were in the past. If they miss on a quarterback. Okay. Pick up, move on. Let's get the next one. Let's get somebody in here that will. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that uh, Trevor Lawrence is as solid as they come. Justin Fields has all the tools. He has some mechanical things he's got to work on, but overall he's a tough guy. I don't know who it was that put out that he has a bad work ethic. I do not buy that for one second. Uh, not even for one second. He is a hardworking guy. He's a leader. He has gone through adversity. He's gone through injuries and he's toughed it out. Um, I have no real qualms about him and his game. I think that he will do what it takes to make it work. But the question mark on Zach Wilson, as I said before, is where's his head? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the biggest thing that will either make or break him when it comes to the NFL. Trey Lance has all the athleticism in the world. He's got a huge upside because of his rushing ability, and he's got a strong arm, and he's accurate. And and what I like about Trey Lance from uh, what I've read and seen and heard is that they played a pro-style offense at North Dakota State. He got to call the plays, make the reads, make the types of throws that you're looking to make in the NFL. That should give him an advantage, but he's also been off for a year. Has he been training with the right person or people? Does he have the right people in his camp? There's so many factors. There's a lot of ifs. And where is he going to go? Which coaching system is going to get him? Uh, Matt Jones never really faced a lot of pressure. Alabama's dang good. They're really good wide receivers. You, you know, every you look at them, you got Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith that will both probably be first round wide receivers. 
Um, my biggest question, he's, he's, he's fast enough to be mobile, but he's not that mobile maybe because he wasn't asked to be. But I think that when you see what somebody is, it's really hard to change. People say, well, you know, they don't catch a lot of passes because they can't catch passes. Well, catching passes is something that you can learn. And the more that you practice, the better that you can get. But there is a difference between a natural pass catcher and someone that's worked hard to obtain that skill. And they both can be successful in the NFL. Same thing with quarterback. Mac Jones hasn't been that mobile. Can he be? Don't know. But fantasy-wise, do you want a guy that's just a pocket passer versus the upside of Trey Lance, who is mobile and can get you those rushing yards? Mm-hmm. I know that's a lot, and uh, but no, that's no, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, that just kind of gives us a full breakdown of the of the class, and I mean. I mean, Trevor Lawrence at this point, like it's, it's like, he's so polished that it's, it's boring. It is like, there's nothing to talk about with him anymore. He's going one-on-one to the Jaguars and he's going one-on-one in our super flex drafts. And there's kind of no, like, there's no even thought to be had there. There's no discussion, but beyond that, I mean, especially when you, you know, when you, when you lead off with the context that, you know, historically, you know, two or three of these guys are going to bust. Like you, you, there's basically room for one of those, you know, four other quarterbacks to, to hit, you know, to a significant degree, you know, maybe another one of them kind of bounces around the league is, is kind of a journeyman, you know, uh, going from backup to starting job here and there. And ultimately just becomes a bridge to the next, then you know the next generation of guys but two like two of them are probably just gonna bust out and you know that's something that people kind of need to consider and you know having having kind of the context having the you know having somebody really break it down from uh you know from that perspective i think is is super helpful to people but uh i guess the one thing that i would say or more my my question would be so I, like it sounds like you you like Trey Lance um anecdotally there's probably not a whole lot of like the the, the like the most likely scenario is he's he's one of the guys who busts out right like if if we're going to have um if we're only going to have two of these five quarterbacks hit it's Trevor Lawrence and it's Justin Fields um, you know, so like, what's the story? Just, you know, just kind of retroactively, you look back at, at it, you know, five years down the road, you're able to kind of look back at Trey Lance's career and say, this is why it didn't work. This is, this is what caused the bus. What is that theme? Well, you can't always tell, you can't mm-hmm. always tell right away. Like with Mariota, my biggest concern with him was that he took everything out of the shotgun and would he be able to transition to taking snaps under center? And I don't know that he ever really did. So there are some quarterbacks where you can say, well, I I think he's going to be decent. Uh, 
but I, I can't say for sure which ones are going to be a bust or, or not. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling from watching them play, I like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, the best of the five. The others may be adequate long enough. Like Sam Darnold hasn't been so bad fantasy-wise that people haven't wanted to own him. There's still big question marks about him, and he could still write the ship, and he could still go on to be fine. But again, out of the 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, in a super flex, most people want to own at least two or three quarterbacks, if not more. And are you going to be okay with a guy like Eli Manning, who is a average Joe quarterback, He's a starter. He's keeping his starting job this whole time. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton, he, you know, nothing to write home about. Doesn't put up a ton of points, but he's he's there. He's a body. Most of the guys, even if they do end up making it in the NFL, there's only a few that are elite fantasy producers that you can that you can count on that are going to have that long career like Patrick Mahomes is one of them. I believe he's gone past the point where he's proven that he does have what it takes. Kansas City believes in him. He's got wep- great weapons around him. I think he's one of those guys where you can take it to the bank. But guys like Justin Herbert, he's not over that threshold yet. I like what I've seen so far. And I think that he is quite capable arm speed wise and, and everything else. He seems to have the poise for the position. He seems to be quite natural at it. Um, so I'd be buying him, but I'd be wary of even Joe Burrow. I think that Joe Burrow is going to be a better asset to the Cincinnati Bengals than he will be on most fantasy rosters when all is said and done. Even if he does end up being that long-term quarterback, I don't think he's going to be top five. Mm -hmm. And if you paid the 101 for him, that means you paid the 101 over Jonathan Taylor. And last year, every class is different. This year, I would take a quarterback at 101. Trevor Lawrence, I would not take Najee Harris or or anybody over Trevor Lawrence in this super flex format. But last year, I had four running backs I would take over Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and over Tua. Let- and even, if, even on a team, I had somebody comment to me, I needed quarterback. And I took Jonathan Taylor and I took DeAndre Swift with my – I had the 101 and the 102 – because we had the startup the year before and from trades that I had made. And uh, they're like, you need a quarterback. Why didn't you take a quarterback? It's like, because I don't draft my team for need. I draft best player available. In my opinion, I'm not always right, but that's my conviction. And I will find a way to get a quarterback somehow, some way I need good players. I need players that I believe are going to rise in value. And when they rise in value, I can make the trades to make my team competitive and do what I need to do. There's always bargains. And Russell Wilson right now is becoming a bargain in Superflex. He's somebody that you can trade for. You can you can probably, if you've got the 103 this year and you're not sure about Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or Mac Jones, 
trade the 103 and get Russell Wilson plus maybe even like a second round pick in the second round. There's going to be some great wide receivers. There may be a running back that slides through. There could be a tight end, or maybe you get Russell Wilson plus a, a player that's already in the league that has uh, lower value than what you think that they will be three, four, five months from now. And that's, that's the way to do it mm-hmm. rather than burn that rookie pick on a guy that you're not, convicted on and knowing the bus rate or take that one Oh three and take Jamar chase or Travis or whichever top running back, depending on, I mean, if some, I have probably two or three drafts that we do our rookie drafts before the NFL draft and others are all after. So if you're in a league where you're drafting now, you have a lot less information. You've got to go based on other people's mock drafts to figure out uh, where these guys are going to go in the NFL draft. Yeah. So quick disclaimer time, (laughs) because everybody listening right now is just like Mr. Quarterback extreme over here. Mr. Five quarterbacks in the startup is just letting her say like, you can, you can get quarter, you know, quarterbacks cheap. You don't have to worry about, where you're going to get them. It's, it's, I, I obviously I don't, I don't agree with that, but what I do agree with is um, the idea that there are multiple ways to get this done and to win a league, win a championship. Um, There, there are multiple ways to build a roster and more than anything, there's value in having access to multiple different strategies this is why I brought Katie on is because there's she's she's got some strategies that, you know, some some that I'm comfortable with, some that not all of them. <laughs> but, you know, I there's some very interesting stuff to extract from it. And, you know, I I really just want to like rather than sit here and argue <laughs> about, uh, you know, about those philosophical differences, I, I really want you know, both like, I I want that side represented. I get to come on here every single week and talk to nobody about why you draft all these quarterbacks. Now we get to hear the other side of it. And, you know, another way to construct super flex rosters and especially through the rookie draft, like this is one that's always, uh, this this is where worlds collide a little bit is in a rookie draft um, because your strategies, Katie, like this, is, I, I've been listening to you on Under the Helmet, honestly, before I even got started in this industry. It's been, you know, several years I've been taking your strategies and you've said some stuff over the years, like just every now and then you just kind of, you just have this you know, this, this little pearl of wisdom that just, that kind of, that just kind of comes out of nowhere and just like, just explodes for me, you know, just kind of becomes part of my overall strategy, my overall philosophy. And you've done it the most in the rookie draft. So I, I would like to just talk about your, just kind of your, your general philosophy on, you know, super flex rookie drafts, like, you know, put aside the, you know, the, uh, this particular rookie class, we can get back to this, this 
class in particular, but just kind of generally speaking, you know, without knowing for sure which players are going to be available, what's the strength of the class, you know, stuff like maybe maybe let's talk about twenty twenty five. You know, like what, what is your strategy right now here in, in 2021, what is your strategy, you know, your kind of your baseline strategy in 2025 going to look like? It's going to look very similar like it would today. If there, if, if I know that there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round of the NFL draft, if that really happens, you ask me, who do I like between Let's say that I have a gut feeling that these two quarterbacks that go at the 101 and 102, not everybody has the opportunity to have the 101 or the 102. So does that mean that I won't draft a quarterback? No. But what I want is the cheapest one of the remaining three. So let's say that Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and I'm back to talking specifically about this year, but let's say say that Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance – one of them goes at 105, one of them goes at 108, and the other one goes at 201. I want the one at the 201. They're yeah. all equally risky, so I want the cheapest one. Who do I like better? I like the cheapest one. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that can change from draft to draft depending on the other managers and what they covet and what they like. And sometimes I might be able to get two of those quarterbacks depending on where my draft position is. But I'm just saying don't sell the farm. Don't don't go to the bank thinking, okay, I'm all set. My job is done here. It's like a stock portfolio. You want to have a balanced stock. So in my startup draft, I want to get as many solid quarterbacks as I can. I want to get at least three. I know you say five. You got to have five. But I would rather have, uh, you know, rather than some people will take a Drew Locke in round six just because he's young and they want to get that next quarterback. I don't believe in Drew Locke. I would rather have a player that's going to increase in value that I can trade for a Kirk Cousins when that team is struggling and they're no longer in contention. They don't necessarily need an aging Kirk Cousins. And I can trade them the Michael Pittman that I got in the middle of round two because I – He's flashed enough. I don't believe in him long term, but I can now take that chip and something else and and get that quarterback that I need in season if I have to. As with any draft, the premium positions, if you hit on them, will get you premium returns. Mm -hmm. But the big question is if you have time enough. Josh Rosen, nobody had time enough. A lot of people were taking him in the top five of that year's rookie class and he didn't even have a chance you think well he's the first overall pick he's going to get all kinds of chances apparently not yeah and again uh daniel jones was going late first in his did i get shares of daniel jones yes i did of course i did because he was going 110 to 203 in that range that's an okay price but to My point as far as rookie drafts and rookie quarterbacks, understanding the high risk involved. Now there's risk with every player, not all round one wide receivers hit, not all round one running backs hit. If it were that simple, we'd all have great fantasy teams and win every year, but it's not that simple. 
So again, you've just got to judge each class based on the strength of that class. This year, we're going to probably have five or six wide receivers drafted in the first round, and probably at least half of them are distractions. They aren't worth owning. You've got to be able to decide which ones are the real thing, which ones are the fake things (laughs) at every position, and then make the best of, again, I don't look at my roster and say, I've only got three quarterbacks. I need to draft two rookie quarterbacks or I just did a lousy job. I try to look at what is my draft position and how to maximize best player available. And it doesn't matter if it's 2021 or 2025, the strategy is, is the same. You know, I may not need a tight end and a tight end premium, but if one falls to me, I'm going to take them if they're the best player available. And, and so if I've got six or seven tight ends and it's, that's a premium position, eventually the trade market, somebody's going to be coming knocking, looking for a tight end. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, it's, it's literally just best player available. Like it, it doesn't, your, your, your team needs don't really matter. What about, um, you know, the like value based, um, does you know so so you're you're at you're at 102 i mean obviously trevor lawrence has pretty much has to be 101 there's kind of not really a way around that but you're at 102 and it sounds like justin fields to you is is probably the guy although it sounds like maybe Najee harris travis etienne jamar chase would probably be in the discussion or is it no i to me to me i think that justin fields is the best player available and the tiebreaker to the premium position. So even if I considered Justin Fields and one of those players equal Mm -hmm. tiebreaker goes to the more premium position, which would be the quarterback. Okay. So So yeah, I do use value based as far as a tiebreaker would go. If there is a premium or, and what I consider a premium is where you have to start two quarterbacks or, you have to start two tight ends or it's six points for the uh, passing touchdowns and only one point for an interception, one, minus one for an interception versus if it's four points for a passing and minus two points for interception, but you get the rushing yards, Justin Fields has that rushing upside. I would still lean towards Justin Fields, but if it's four points passing minus two, and it's only, you know, less rushing yards or whatever, then it, yeah. it all depends on the scoring format and how deep and all. I mean, there's a lot of. A lot if, that goes into it. Right. Yeah, sure. Tiebreakers go. But, but I do believe that Tre- Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, in my opinion, are the one and the two in a super flex rookie draft. Okay. So let's. So, so you're at 102. You've got all the depth that you want at quarterback. You know that Justin Fields is is still the value pick. Do you? It. I mean, so are you looking for a trade back? Even if you know it's not going to be. Maybe you're not going to get full value for 102. Maybe it's you know something like 103 and like an early or like a mid second. We'll call it that. Like. Uh, are, are you moving back or are you just standing in the pocket and taking the best player available still? I would, I, if I can't, I'm not going to give a discount just because I don't need a position. 
Nice. I, I, that drives me crazy when I have yeah. people that ask me about a trade. It's like, but I don't need him because he's my wide receiver 10. It's like, okay, you may not need him, but that's what facilitates the fact that you can trade him. That doesn't mean you give a discount on that player. Right. You still want to get what the value is. And so, no, I would stay and pick. Plus the fact that the boom bust rate on quarterbacks, I want to have as much of a diversified portfolio. So maybe I've got Aaron Rodgers and he's, towards the later side of his career. I've got a Ryan Tannehill in there. He's mid, mid career. Uh, maybe I've also got a Baker Mayfield or somebody that's younger. Um, so adding another young quarterback to those guys, or let's say I've got Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan, and they've got one or two more years left and that's it. Even if I've got four or five, I still want best player available because so much can change on a dime, especially in a COVID year uh, like we had last year. And hopefully it doesn't go that much into this season, but there's so many unknowns that you will hate yourself or kick yourself two or three years down the road. If you didn't take who you felt was best player available, or if you trade back at a discount because you don't need that position. Right. Okay. I love that way to destroy your team. Yeah, for sure. Um, then I think I know how this is going to go. I, I, I personally love these hypotheticals because I think people actually run into these in real, in everyday life. So this is, this stuff ends up being pretty actionable. You know, it's not universal, but I think that there are some people who are out there like, man, I just got this offer. Like, what do I do? So you're a one Oh three. You need your, you know, let's say you've got three quarterbacks, but uh, they're, you know, kind of older guys, like you mentioned. Um, And, you know, it it sounds like Trey Lance is probably actually, yeah, let's define 103 real quick. Like, it sounds like it's headed for Trey Lance for you. But is that is that the kind of the break point where you start to consider those non quarterbacks? I still think that Zach Wilson over Trey Lance because, again, you don't want to lose value. And if the market value values Zach Wilson higher than Trey Lance come your rookie draft time, mm-hmm. and there's no clear defined best player available, I consider those two both equally risky. Yeah. And both with equal upside. So I would, I would lean towards – Zach Wilson at that point, because he's probably going to go number two overall in the draft and the market right now has him higher than Trey Lance. That kind of makes this even better (laughs) because I know that, I know that you're, you're not a fan of Zach Wilson. It's just kind of, again, it's. You're putting words in my mouth. I never said that. (laughs) I said he's got a question mark, his head. Trey Lance has question marks. I I consider those guys pretty much equal in terms of risk. I, so but Zach no, Wilson's just an idiot. So <laughs> no, I did not I'm, say that either. I said I'm just I don't kidding, know. Katie. <laughs> yeah, I said I don't know. That's yeah. my big question mark on him. And like, for example, you want to talk about a college quarterback that I think is an idiot? That's Matt Corral. And he's going to rise up boards this year because of his arm talent and his talent on the field, but he I don't think he has the type of head that can handle the NFL. He's a hothead. He yells at his coaches. 
He is not a good team player. That kind of person to me, I think, will not work out in the NFL. Does he have the tool set? I think that he will be a riser this year. And you're going to hear a lot about Matt Corral from uh, Ole Miss. But yeah, he's, he's on my avoid list, at least right now. He may show some signs of maturity this year. We'll see. But I like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance pretty much equally. And then Mac Jones would be kind of next in line. They're all three pretty, pretty equal. Yeah. But they all are risky. All three of them are equally risky. I want the cheapest of all three of them if I can. Got it. Okay. No, I mean, the, the reason that I keep bringing it up, like this is, this is compelling to me, you know, this is important stuff to me. So I, you know, first of all, I kind of went, I went into this process after having seen, you know, admittedly limited tape with uh, limited competency at watching tape, but I watched Zach Wilson and I saw the arm talent. I saw the ability to make the throws accurately and with velocity on the run. Like that's that to me, that's a pretty big thing in the pro game, you know, to the ability to extend the play without just taking off, you know, randomly. Uh, we still want these guys looking down the field field and looking to throw the ball. That's pretty important. But if, I mean, if there's questions about his ability to consume a playbook, um, you know, his ability to, to memorize plays to an extent where he can run the two minute drill, like these things are compelling to me. This is, this is really important stuff. And a big part of it is like, I'm, I'm a little bit, a little bit snake bitten actually. You know. I wouldn't even say that it's from the perspective of being able to digest the playbook and things like that. I'm just thinking more of the line of what yeah. is thinking, what is he thinking? Like it seems to me like he's the type of guy that will know what he should do, but not necessarily listen to that. He seems more kind of reckless, I guess. Yeah. Is is the term. So again, I don't know if it, it my my concerns for him aren't that he won't be able to memorize playbooks. I mean, clearly he's he's got some aptitude and I'm not calling him dumb. I'm not calling <laughs> him, please don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> that there are times when you see him do something when there were other options. Why didn't he do the, it looks like he was trying to show off or do a flashy thing instead of, the smart play. Yeah. If that makes any sense. De- no, it definitely does. And sometimes that's a little, it, it it's tough to decipher, you know, confidence versus stupidity. Like it can, right. And it can go I'm, either way sometimes. And that's why I'm saying I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's going to be drafted very high in the NFL. Yep. He's got the skills. He's got a lot of upside. I like him. Please do not get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying there's a big risk factor. And those three guys, Lance, Wilson, and Jones, have high risk. If you think that they're going to at least last for two years, that's a two-year window where you can sell them for a less risky player. And which one do you think is going to rise up the highest, the quickest, for a quicker flip 
or a quicker sale, those are the types of questions I would be asking myself when I'm on the clock making that pick. Yeah. And, and you know, we believe that the landing spot is going to be number two overall to the Jets. Do they put enough other weapons around him during the draft and what they've done with free agency versus San Francisco? Now, if it's San Francisco and it is Mac Jones uh, versus Trey Lance goes to Atlanta, then that I think Trey Lance is going to sit behind Matt Ryan for at least a year, if not two. And that's going to depress Trey Lance's value in a rookie draft to maybe mid second round. Dang, guess who I want? I want yep. Trey Lance. I'm going to stash him on my roster and sit for two years waiting for him. Uh, and I'm okay with that. That's all I'm saying is that they're sure. high risk. So yeah, it's all about and- price at that point. Risk versus uh, do I think that Jamar Chase is a better player at three than this really highly risky quarterback? Do I think that Jamar Chase is going to, let's say he goes to Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. uh, Do I think that that reuniting will feel so good and he's got elite skill set and will be, you know, first round startup versus Zach Wilson. Will he be third round startup? Well, obviously the first round startup would be more valuable. Those are the kinds of things you got to weigh. Yeah, definitely. It, it it just it doesn't push me off of Zach Wilson personally. It just kind of raises a red flag. And and uh, like I said, I'm I'm kind of snake bit. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. We went from Tim Tebow to Brock Osweiler to Paxton Lynch, now to Drew Locke. We like him big and dumb here in Denver. And like it, it's it's to me that's just kind of the absolute worst thing that you can have is a quarterback who you know, who, who can't process information quickly or, you know, properly. So like, that's, it's a pretty big deal for me personally, where you're looking for mechanics. I'm, I'm looking for IQ essentially. Right. And that's the one thing that you and I cannot put a finger on. Nobody can. If the NFL could, then they would never get it wrong. I mean, there's just so many factors if John, if John Elway likes them, then stay away. Like that's right. <laughs> that's the indicator right that, there. That's proven to be a correct statement. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Getting getting pretty tired of it, but it is what it is. Um, we uh I I told you we weren't gonna get to very many of these questions. I should I I, I am gonna finish the question that I started there. So 103 Zach Wilson for you. That's kind of the value pick. Let's just say hypothetically, you're sitting at 103. Don't necessarily need a quarterback. You've got your three and, you know, maybe they're older guys. So you could potentially farm Zach Wilson on your roster. Um, But you get an offer of something like 106 and 107. Now you're, you know, you're in good shape at wide receiver. That's a, that's still a, it's a pretty strong offer. That's a strong offer. But you'd be trading back into kind of wide receiver range, right? Well, no, not necessarily. What makes you think that all five quarterbacks are going to go 101 to 105? I just saw Zach Wilson go at 111 in a draft that we were doing today in a Super Bowl. Really? Yes. Yeah. Trey Lance went ahead of him. So did Justin Fields. It went Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then uh, a few positional players. And then Trey Lance was mid first. It was 111. Zach Wilson went. Yeah, 
I mean, it, so if Mac so Jones, if you're, offered, if you're offered the six and the seven for the three, yeah, your your likelihood of still getting a quarterback, but now also getting another player, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Because mm-hmm. again, I've mentioned between those three quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones, to me, they have identical risk. Yeah, I mean, my my feeling on it is if. You know, if we have a quarterback that's going to drop that far into into the first round of our rookie drafts, it's because, you know, they were drafted into a situation that, you know, either isn't not even it, it wouldn't even be about a bad situation. It would be about a situation where, you know, you're you're not getting any immediate payoff. Like you said, you know, Trey Lance in Atlanta where he's going to sit for a minimum of a year. That's that's kind of that's probably what's going to push a quarterback down that far into the first round. That's not that far. The 6th overall pick. I do a lot of mock drafts with Superflex mock drafts. Yeah. And Mac Jones is consistently going anywhere from 110 to 203. Yeah. In, in the mock drafts. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Mac and, Jones be San Francisco. That's not a bad situation. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that if it played out that way, though, if you if you got Mac Jones in San Francisco and you got Trey Lance in Atlanta, you know, I think that Mac Jones probably moves up into the top five. And I bet, I, you know, I think that ADP is going to probably push Trey Lance down into the like to the end of the first. So if you take him at 106, 107, you're kind of you you'd be reaching. Like that's that's I guess that's kind of the well, and I hypothetically. Take, I think that if you take four quarterbacks in a row, one, two, three, four, you're reaching for the for the fourth one anyway. Yeah. So if you've got the three and you can get the six and seven, I I really don't think I've never seen a mock draft where four quarterbacks have gone. Yeah. Because there's going to be somebody's going to take Najee Harris in there. Somebody's going to take. I've seen Jamar Chase fall to the seventh or the eighth. But if I can get one quarterback plus Jamar Chase at six and seven, mm-hmm. I would take that over. I would trade that one or three all day. Yeah, for sure. What what if it's not quarterback range? Just you know, just hypothetically like for whatever reason, one hundred six, one hundred seven. It, you know, that's kind of not really quarterback range, you yeah, know, just. I don't buy that. I don't, I don't yeah. buy that. I yeah. think that there's going to be at least one quarterback, if not two. That'll fall. Most, right. The yeah. most I've ever seen was three in a row. One, two, three. Yeah. I've never seen four. Can it happen? Sure. But. Yeah. I think it's more likely to see three quarterbacks and then either one of Najee Harris or Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And then the next quarterback there, you're already in the six and seven at that point. Yeah. No, I mean, I, so I think you're right. People are kind of preparing for, you know, the, the ADP that we're seeing now where it, where it is the four straight quarterbacks, people are kind of preparing for that. And I don't totally know why, I don't know why we're we're so stuck on that, but I, I don't. I I have yet to see it, and in the draft that I'm in right now, as I mentioned, 
it went Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts, Javonta Williams, Devonta Smith, Travis Etienne, Waddle, and Zach Wilson went at 11, and then Mac Jones went at 12. Wow. So it's it's hard to imagine, though, isn't it? Zach Wilson going, you know, number two overall in the NFL draft and then falling to, what was that, that seven? That, in the... that is very hard to imagine. And most rookie drafts will be after the NFL draft. Yeah. This was not your most typical draft, I will admit. But mm-hmm. usually three, one, two, three, I understand that, and I can see that in in a lot of drafts, but I have not seen one, two, three, four. I would not expect that because one of those quarterbacks won't get the great landing spot and will be depressed, whether it's Trey Lance or Mac Jones or whoever doesn't win that San Francisco spot. Yeah. But if, if Atlanta or if Carolina, now if Carolina takes somebody at eight, is that a great landing spot? They've got Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Yeah. E- yeah. Even if they trade Bridgewater, I mean, you're still like it at best you're competing for the job yeah. with another 23 year old. You may not even know by the time that your rookie draft happens. If your rookie draft is right after the NFL draft, mm-hmm. they're still going to have Bridgewater on the roster. Yep. Yeah. Very you likely. And, and so you don't know if they're going to trade him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't know that Sam Darnold won't win the job either. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's kind of the bigger theme. Um man, yeah. <laughs> once 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 we go off on the the you know hypotheticals, it uh everything goes goes off the rails. Yeah. Uh um, but I, I I think that if you're at the 103 and you get offered the six and seven in a super flex, there's enough talent. Because if it does go, let's say it does go four quarterbacks in a row, so what? That means you're going to get one of the top running backs and the top wide receiver or the top tight end, depending on if it's tight end premium or not. You will be guaranteed if, let's say, all five quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, five. Now you got your top wide receiver and your top running back or your top other positional player. That's not a bad, especially for the risk factor that at least – two or three of those guys are probably they're going to bust some of them before their rookie contract is over. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you're like, you're consistent with it, the, with the, the, you know, the value-based drafting. So, um, you know, and I, I think that that's like that, that's kind of the easiest way to navigate a rookie draft. Honestly, like you said, you know, there's, there's inherent risk with these guys uh, anyways. So, you know, just kind of don't overthink it, <laughs> you know, go, yeah. go value. What I, what I will add to it. And this is something that, um, that, like I said, you know, where you, you just kind of here and there, you just like plant a seed that just kind of blossoms in my mind. I, I heard you say one time that rookie running backs, you know, a running back in a rookie draft, that's kind of your last chance to get that guy. If you don't get him in the rookie draft, you know, I obviously like you can still acquire a running back, you know, once they're once they're pros, but it gets so expensive. You know, <laughs> look how much look how much harder it is to acquire Jonathan Taylor today than it was to acquire, you know, pick one oh three one one oh four 
last year in a super flex rookie draft. Like it's, it's night and day. How many times did you see Jonathan Taylor go at one Oh four, even in a super flex? Uh, so it went burrow to, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Jonathan Taylor all the time. Well, not all the time. Obviously that's just kind of the average. Well, the most I'm in 35 leagues. I was in roughly the same amount last year and Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards Alaire was the 101 more often than Joe Burrow was. Joe Burrow was really? in the two or three range, and the rest of the running backs went, you know, anywhere from four. And Tua was up there, uh, but they were spread out. I did not. I don't even believe that I've saw that I saw one where it went Burrow and then Tua before it started any of the running backs. Really, John Taylor, right? And there was no way that I would have. If you were in one of my drafts and I had the 101, it mm-hmm. would have been Jonathan Taylor 100% of the time. Yeah. I, I it, would not have taken Clyde Edwards Alaire. He was the Fugazi last year. Of the top five running backs, I had him fifth, and most people had him first. It, it's like for me, landing spot in fantasy, I, I say that cream rises to the top. I'd rather have DeAndre Swift knowing that he's the better talent. And then I don't care if he went to Detroit. He will he will get his and towards the end of the year he was right now DeAndre Swift is worth a lot more than Clyde Edwards Alaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, but See, you got the discount on him, so that's that's where you've got to understand where ADP fits in. Is you know if everybody is jumping off a cliff and it's a you know three hundred foot fall and splat at the bottom, do you want to necessarily jump off that cliff? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would rather stick by my parachute. And again, I, I'm not always right. I don't always hit. Nobody does. But it's the process that I've used successfully for all the years that I've played Dynasty. And from what I have found, there's enough discount on those middle-aged quarterbacks where, like right now, Matt Stafford, you can buy him so cheap. Yeah. And still get something else with it. So yes, he just changed teams, but a lot of people think that now with this new opportunity and and the uh, wide receivers that he's got, he's got more weapons around him. They're looking forward to him having a really good season, but even with all that, he's still cheaper than Zach Wilson. Yeah. So I'd mitigate the risk of the Zach Wilson and I would get something else on top of it. And if Zach Wilson hits, okay. But I still got two pieces that I like and and feel like improve my team. And I want to win. And could Zach Wilson be the key? Sure, he could he could make it. And three or four years from now, maybe you know, everything is different, but everything changes all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to do kind of a condensed version of this. Uh, we're definitely over time already and I want to respect your time, but, um, I do want to get into Debbie just very, very briefly with you. Um, just, just for those who are about to do some Debbie drafts as well. Um, you know, just kind of give us a little bit like foreshadow 2022, 2023 with, you know, for us a little bit, kind of what are the strengths 
what are the strength positions of those two classes um, and and who are some names for us to to start thinking about specifically in uh, obviously in superflex so you know maybe some quarterbacks in particular but then you know you're you're not afraid to go non quarterback if it's if it's kind of the value play so who are who are some you know running backs wide receivers and maybe even tight ends for us to consider in our Devi drafts um, even if it means not having that, you know, that extra quarterback kind of in the uh, in in backstock. All right. So let me preface this by saying my strategy is to get strong at the premium positions in the startup draft. Mm-hmm. I want to have strength at quarterback and strength at tight end if it's tight end premium, because those are the hardest to hit in Debbie and in rookie drafts. Yeah. You got about a six percent hit rate on Debbie quarterbacks. You got a 12% hit rate on tight ends. Running backs are 35%. Whoa. Wide receivers are 23%. And a hit could be selling them for higher than what you paid. That's one definition of a hit. Another hit would be they end up making it to the first round of the NFL draft. That still doesn't mean that they won't become a bust once they make it to the NFL, but the Debbie part of that process is over. And that's where then the the rookie part comes in. So I don't judge, like if a quarterback ends up making it to the first round of the NFL draft, whether you flip them or don't flip them, that is still a hit. If they still end up busting two or three years down the road, that's a different story. But my number one, so I get as strong as I can so that I don't have to take a Debbie quarterback because they're even harder to hit than a rookie quarterback. That being said, I'm not opposed to taking in the right situation with the right person. I don't want to do like for the most part with my 101 Debbie pick. If it's a quarterback, they have to have at least a year, if not two under their belt or else they're just too risky. But I love Spencer Radler from OU, Oklahoma. He's my number one for the 2022 class. I think he's still in some cases behind Sam Howell from UNC from North Carolina in some people's rankings, not in mine. I've Rattler is a natural thrower of the ball. He can release the ball so quickly, throws a deep pass accurately. If you haven't watched him, I would highly recommend that you do. He's fun to watch and he's mobile enough. He's not a mobile quarterback in that he's a passer first and will run if he has to. But he's got a lot of weapons around him. He's got the greatest coach in all of college football when it comes to a quarterback coach in Lincoln Riley. Great situation. He's my 2022-101 in the Superflex format. Behind him, I mentioned Sam Howell from UNC. Outside of those two, it's a crapshoot. There's three or four or five guys that could rise up in the ranks that could – become the QB three, QB four, QB five. But I don't think we're going to see the depth at quarterback next year that we have in the first round of this year's NFL draft. And historically over the last, over the last 20 years, you know, we, we see an average of, but it's like three point something quarterbacks per first round in the NFL We've we had uh, four in 2020, three in 2019, five in 2018, three in 2017. 
And it, going back to the year 2000, it averages in three quarterbacks. So whoever becomes the QB3 will have high super flex value. But right now, it's a crapshoot. It could be Keaton Slovis out of USC. It could be Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. It could be JT Daniels out of Georgia. It could be Jaden Daniels out of Arizona. And uh, it, there's so and there's uh, Carson Strong is a riser. He's a small school guy. I think it's Nevada. But all of those guys, you can try to pick in the Debbie draft who's going to be the QB3. And again, the only way that I would take them is if it's in the final round of a deep Debbie or, you know, one of the final rounds of a deep Debbie draft. If they're still there and it's super flex, sure, take a chance on them. Jalen Hurts was somebody that you could get in the very last round of a Debbie draft and you would have hit on him. You would have been fine. But don't take who you think is going to be the third quarterback when there's five or six guys that can claim that spot. Don't take them at the 104 or 105 in a Debbie draft when there's so many really high-powered running backs with a 35% hit rate compared to a 6% hit rate. I play the odds all day, all day on that. Running back is the easiest position to hit in Debbie. So the 2023 class, DJ Uyunglele out of Clemson is the number one. You've got Bryce Young out of Alabama, who is being touted as the number two. Question is size. He's a mobile quarterback. He's very athletic. But with guys like that, we'll see how he comes through. He's going to have a lot of weapons around him. There's definitely no question about that. And then in the 2024 class, there's nobody in my mind that stands out that's even worth taking a shot on unless again, it's super, super late. And then, um, but every single one of them, you don't know if they're even going to come out of the gate as a starter, as a freshman. Uh, I saw Spencer Radler at the all American high school game. And I knew it was one of those feelings. Like when you meet your first true love or something, it's like, I knew he has what it takes tools wise and I would be drafting him late in a, in a Debbie draft. But for the most part, I stay away from quarterbacks, even want to get strong in my startup so that if the opportunity rises where I get a value drop and somebody drops to me at a, at a later pick, sure, I'll take them and stash them on my taxi squad. But for the most part, give me the running backs, give me the wide receivers. They're much easier to hit. Did you want a few names on the top running backs and wide receivers? Uh, yeah, gladly. Yeah. And in fact, especially if you've got some that that are, are you know, going to be available for you this year. So, like, um, you know, I know that a lot of the names for 2022 have already been rostered in Debbie Leagues. You know, some of the, the top names anyways. And uh, I mean, they're escaping me off like at the moment. Master T and Brees Hall, those yeah. are the top two running backs for next year. Yeah. Uh, Zamir White probably was drafted in your league. He was the top running back coming in as a freshman. He has had some injuries, ACL tears. He plays for Georgia and he stayed one more year. I think that if he is not gone, he's somebody that you can get later in your Debbie draft that I would absolutely jump all over. But uh, for the 2023 class, Bijan Robinson out of Texas is the number one running back. He's got size. I look for guys that are already grown men. 
at running back. I don't want a guy that's 145 pounds or 165 pounds and may gain 55, 60, 70 pounds. My ideal NFL running back is somebody that can catch the ball, can run up the gut with power and can be a three down NFL back. Bijan Robinson is all that. He's six foot 222. But the 2023 running back class is also very deep. If you miss out on a Bijan Robinson, I don't trade up in Debbie drafts for the most part because if you miss out on Bijan Robinson, find the next Bijan Robinson that nobody knows anything about yet. And uh, Tang Bigsby out of Auburn, another good running back. He's six foot 205. I love Kendall Milton out of Georgia. He's going to share the backfield with Zamir White this year, but he's another grown man that's six foot one, 220 pounds that can catch the ball. And Georgia running backs have fared pretty successfully in the NFL. They are a running back machine. Uh, Jace McClellan out of Alabama, another name to watch. Alabama has Trey Sanders that got in a car accident. He's been hurt now that Najee Harris is gone. You you've got potential for either Trey Sanders or Jace McClellan to uh, take over that backfield. They're both five-star running backs. And then there's more depth. Zach Evans out of TCU. He's a head case. He's the kind of guy that is has shown immaturity and off-field issues in the past. Will he overcome that? That's a question mark. But if he's for sale cheap, you could probably get him in the second or third round of a Debbie draft and he's got the, the tool set. And in the 24 class, Travion Henderson out of Ohio state is somebody to monitor. You could probably get him in round three of a Debbie draft. I'm, I'm in a super flex Debbie draft right now. And I think he just went in round three. If I'm not mistaken, he went, at two, uh, 206. So, but so yeah, uh, nice. wide receiver, wide receiver wise, the ones that are for next year's class, everybody already knows about the David Bell and George Pickens from Georgia, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Justin Ross, Garrett Wilson, Justin Ross from Clemson, Garrett Wilson from Ohio state, but getting into the class after that, Keishon Butte out of, LSU, another LSU wide receiver factory guy, Rakeem Jarrett, Maryland, Marvin Mims, Oklahoma. He's going to have Spencer Rattler throwing him the ball. Julian Fleming out of Ohio State. Ohio State tends to have pretty good wide receivers, and he's a big guy. He's uh, 6'2", 200. And then the 2024 class, Alabama has three wide receivers, four wide receivers, I think, in the 2024 class. Which two or three of those guys will now take up where Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith and then previously Jerry Judy and those guys all left off? They're going to need to just – they don't they do not uh, do anything but reload at Alabama talent-wise. Nice. And I know that was quick, but a lot of names and a lot of schools. Sometimes that's that's what we need, you know. We just kind of need like a crash course, because I I mean, I've been in I I have two Debbie leagues. I've been in both of them for a little over two years now. So, you know, I'm in my third cycle basically through them, 
And, you know, the, that's still the part that just totally escapes me sometimes is like, just I mean, sometimes I'm just like, man, just give me some names. <laughs> like I yeah. just, I, you know, I can, I can do the rest of this stuff once I have some, some kind of clarity on, you know, how to start preparing for the future. Cause that it's just, I, I, I rely on people like you, Katie flower to keep me going in the Debbie leagues. Cause it's never, never going to be my strength. I can talk pro quarterbacks. I can, you know, I can, I can build a roster, but yeah, Debbie is just always going to be my blind spot and it's totally fine because I've got friends like you, I can bring on here, um, several others, of course, but it's, it was awesome to, uh, to get our, uh, our, our maiden voyage out of the way here. And, uh, so now we, we've kind of broken the seal and I can bring you back and, um, get you all fired up and, and, um, uh, just, you know, talk, talk Debbie, talk quarterbacks, talk running backs, talk all of it, all of it. Good stuff. Really appreciate you coming. Yeah, no problem. You notice I didn't say anything about tight ends in college because again, the hit rate is so low and it takes so long. Once they make it to the NFL, it takes so long for them to become fantasy relevant anyway, that their price is going to fluctuate so much between now and then you're better off waiting uh, on that position, unless it's, like really heavy tight end premium. And then you just got to pick your spots. Yeah. Understanding the risk and understanding that uh, some guys will have name cachet, like Eric Gilbert right now is in the transfer portal. He's the top tight end, but he was going to go to Florida. He he played for LSU for a season. He was going to transfer to Florida, but then his grades and he was going to go to JUCO. Now he's back in the transfer port. We don't know exactly where he's going to end up. He could have a slow go before he even makes it to the NFL. He's very talented. Yeah. But is that worth the risk of the pick when you, when you, like, how many running backs can you hit on on a roster? Like, I, one year, I think it was, I had Saquon Barkley that I ad- advanced from my taxi squad up. Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, and a couple of the other, you know, big ones. And it's like, you get a couple of those guys, then you're not so worried about your tight end position or your quarterback position necessarily, because now you've got other assets that you can trade for, for those, if you end up in a bind and need them. But anyway, I I really appreciate you having me here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, uh, well, you, you, the listeners obviously can't see it. You can see the list of stuff that we could have talked about and didn't even get to in an hour and in 20 minutes. So, you know, plenty to talk about when, uh, when we get you back next time. Um, so appreciate your time with, uh, would you want to tell everybody where they can find you and your work? Absolutely. And again, thank you, John. This was so much fun. I always love to talk football, but you're very passionate and it shows. And I, I love that because I'm also very passionate yeah. on Twitter. You can find me at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am the diva of Debbie. If you have any Debbie questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Anybody, uh, if, if I'm not following you, I will follow you so that I can private message some of the trade questions and things like that. I'd rather do it, you know, off screen, just in case any of your league mates happen to be following you on Twitter. We don't want to give away any secrets. 
It would be for your ears only. And I'm on Under the Helmet podcast weekly, as well as on the premium side from time to time, especially discussing Debbie and Debbie's strategy. And I'm on the Off the Rail pod, Off the Rails podcast uh, with Jeremy Brown and, and crew uh, semi-weekly. Nice. Yes, I'm. I'm gonna offer up. I, to me, this is about the the highest praise that that you can get in this industry because. You know, for me, like I have a hard time listening to a lot of of fantasy football podcasts. I don't want to get too inundated with other people's bullshit, to be honest with you, and have it start to creep into my own analysis. But Katie Flower is one of the people who not only will I listen to religiously, who can actually change my mind on some things. Um, You didn't fully change my mind on Zach Wilson, but you also said that you didn't mean to, so... Uh, if if you wanted to, you could have. You've got that power, and you chose not to. Um, and I appreciate that. But I, I've learned so much from Katie Flower over the years, and it's so awesome to get you on the show. Um, really appreciate your time. And and she's offering Debbie advice. Take her up on it. That's it. Does not get any better than free advice from one of the absolute best. Thank you. Let, Let's let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Subscribe to Super Flex City where you can get the Super Show, Super Flexible. Off the Rails is on Super uh, the Super Flex City feed now as well. Um, all the great podcasts that we've got over at Super Flex City. So subscribe to all those. Uh, rate and review the Super Show if you wouldn't mind. It helps me to get out to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Um, you can get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show, but even better, just do it individually. You know, Katie's at FF underscore Skyler 399, and I'm at Superflex Dude. Uh, always happy to give advice, like Katie said, in the DMs. Um, talk through some stuff there so you can hide from the league. Uh, else, retweet you know, trade polls, whatever you got, uh, however you want to do it. I'm, I'm here for it. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James, the brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else. Thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexible.